Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. If you will, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to take a verse of scripture out of here, and then I want to go to Mark chapter 8. I just want to stay in the same flow of where we were last week. If you were not here last week, um, that was a, not because I preached it, but it was a very good message, just very uh, meaty, just give you something to chew on. But I've been in the vein of, we said this last Sunday, just to recap, because some of us have been gone for a while, but um, that anybody can start a race. How many knows it's not God's will that you just start the race? God wants you to finish the race. He's looking for fruit, fruit that remains. That's what we talked about last Sunday. He's looking for fruit that remains. How many knows that in the seed, in the process of the seed, that in the life cycle of the seed, that fruit is one of the last things that's produced. It takes the plant, it takes the seed to die, the seed to go down into the ground, and then it produces a shoot, and the shoot has to mature enough for the fruit that gets on our lives. How many knows the fruit that God is looking for is not ministry? Hello. God's not looking for the fruit of you to preach the gospel. He's not looking for you the fruit of being a worship leader. The fruit is that we taste like Jesus. Are you with me? How many knows we don't always taste like Jesus? Some of us are a little bitter. Lord, y'all ain't going to help nothing up in here. So the fruit that God is looking for is that we taste like Jesus. So this morning, and how many knows this, that everyone in this room is in a process. And so what we got to learn how to do is we got to stay at rest. And we gave the picture of when Jesus fed the 5,000, he told them to sit down. The young lad had the barley loaf, and, and the barley harvest is the first, it, it's a first fruit harvest, uh, represents the resurrection of Christ, and we're going to only eat that meal at a seated position, okay? So this morning, I want to preach from a simple subject of learning to trust God. How many knows we always tell we always tell somebody that, you know, just trust the Lord? How many knows it's easier said than done? Am I the only one? Is it easier said than done to just trust the Lord? But this morning, I want to preach from the simple subject of just trust God. Listen to this. Every spiritual battle we face and all warfare itself centers on trust in God. It is to get my mind to think that God is not for me. Come on, somebody. That God's left me out the high and dry and that he's not with me. How many knows the truth of the matter is this morning, regardless of what you face, you never face it alone. God is always with us, friend. You with me? I remember reading in Jim Baker's book that he said that when, when it all came crashing down, and he was thrown in the back of a cop car. He said in that moment that he wanted to die. He was in his greatest failure, handcuffed, thrown in the back of a cop car. Here's a preacher of the gospel. And he said, God, I just want to die. And he said, God spoke back and said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, somebody. How many knows he's with you in the strengths? He's with you in the weaknesses. He's with you on the mountaintop, and he's with you in the valley. And I found out more in my life that God don't grow me on the mountaintop. He grows me in the valley. That's where the greatest nutrients are found, in the valley. And and God is always with us. So this warfare that comes against the mind is to come to, to get us to believe and to doubt that God is with us, that God is for us, and that he is a way maker. Come on, somebody. Do I got some witnesses in this room that God is a way maker? He's a healer. He's a provider. He's a blesser. Come on now. 
And so that I love that song. God is a way maker. Even when I don't feel him, he's working. Even when I don't sense him, he's working, friend. He works all things out for the good. I'm trying to help us this morning. He works all things out to my good because I'm called according to his purpose. Come on. If it ain't good, he's not done. I said if it ain't good, he's not done. Just hang on. If it ain't good, he's not done. It's not the final chapter. Come on. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And if it's not good right now, he's not done pinning the story. He's already wrote the story for you got here. And I can promise you it's good. How you know that, preacher? I know the thoughts that I think towards you that are good, prosperous, not to harm you, but to bless you and give you an expected end. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. My God, I had a day off. I feel like preaching. Every battle we face... In all warfare itself, centers on trust in God. Now, we talked about last week, I used the life of David, and I talked about David when, when Samuel come pulling up to his house. Jesse didn't even think he was a candidate to receive the anointing, but Jesse, that Samuel pulled up the prophet, this was like Billy Graham and the president all in one, showed up at his house, and he pours this, this ram's uh, horn of oil on him, and, and he prophesies him to be, to, be, to be king. David's a young boy when this is taking place. And we read the scripture last Sunday where David was finally anointed to be king at 30 years old. It took God somewhere between 17 and 20 years to develop a process inside of David to develop him for the king. How many knows that we don't go just straight into the promise, but we have to develop along with the promise? Hello? Hello? If we don't, if we deny process, we're unqualified to reign over what he has for us when we get there. So we want to be qualified to stay at the place that God is building you and I in the process as long as the journey. How many knows it is not the destination that matters, but the journey. We've got to learn how to live life. I'm preaching to myself in the journey. I wish I could be there right now, but I'm not there right now. Come on. I can, only thing I can learn how to do is to find grace that is sufficient for me today. His mercies are new every day. Whatever I face tomorrow, there'll be grace for me to face it tomorrow. But this morning, he gave me grace to face today. You with me? So it's not the destination as much as it's the journey. Learning how to find joy and happiness in the journey. So David, like all of us that gets the promise, God develops process in us. And in this, we talked about last Sunday, I'm just doing a little recap that inside every plant is a root system that goes down. And what's below the surface that you can't see is often larger than what you do see. That's exactly the way we want our lives. We want our lives to be bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. All the pressure is to get you to maintain the outside. But God works from the inside out. Come on, somebody. Religion works from the inside in. Catherine and I were laughing as we passed a sign, a church sign by the road this week. And it said, come in just the way, come in as you are, but change on the inside. To me, that's crazy. What the church is saying is, we'll accept you the way you are, but we want you to change like us when we get inside. That's religion. 
Religion wants to work on the outside of man. God is not developing your outside. He's developing your inside. The kingdom of God is within us and it flows out of us from the inward man. So God wants to develop more on the, he wants you to be bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. If you're larger on the inside, you'll be able to hold much fruit on the vine out here because actually the inside, the depth that you can't see of the roots is what supports the fruit that is hanging at the end of the vine. So David, in this process of becoming king that God prophesied over his life, that Samuel poured the ram's horn oil on him and told him he was going to be king, God had to develop him. We find no process in Saul's life. He goes straight to the kingship, but David has a journey into the kingship. I thank God that I was never taken straight to the front. Hello. And here, I remember reading one time because there is a time in my life where I felt like God had really left. Has anybody ever been there? I was in my early 20s, probably, I don't know, probably, I was probably around 25, 24, 25. And I watched everyone seem like bypass me. Have you ever looked like other people just bypass you? First of all, let's just say this. Let this help us. We're all in this thing called the race. This is no sprint but a marathon. This can't be run in a lifetime. In other words, the vision that God's building can't be accomplished in a lifetime. If the vision you have in your heart you can accomplish in your lifetime, it's probably not from God. Hello. Because we're all really working on the same vision of the Great, of the great Commission. All across the globe, every continent, we're working on God's vision that all people would come to know Him, that nations would be baptized and be discipled. And I, 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 I remember telling Catherine that I should be further than where I was at. And everybody seemed like they outrun us. Everybody seemed like they outrun us. Here's a good, here's a good nugget right here. You can't get your eyes on the person you're running with. you got to keep them on Jesus. Steve may out-sprint me for a season. Come on, somebody. Paul addresses three seasons of life in the book of Ephesians. He talks about, he talks about running. He talks about walking. And finally, he talks about standing still. There are seasons in your life where you're going to be able to run and make up a lot of ground. There's seasons in your life where you're only going to be able to walk. And there's seasons in your life where you're standing, hanging on by like a loose tooth. Has anybody ever been in that type of season? But the promise is, he said, when you've done all you know, stand therefore. Stand girded. Come on, somebody. Because God is not linear. God is circle. Come on. And if God's ever touched you one time, you get in a place and stand still. It's only a matter of time. Come on, somebody. And he's going to come back around and touch you again. So we've got to learn that this is a marathon that everyone's in. And if you start the race by looking at Steve or by looking at Catherine or by looking at Terry, you are going to be the most discouraged. That's why the Bible says looking unto Jesus. He is the one that we look at. Come on, somebody. When they put the racehorse in the gate, he's got something called blinders on because he's to keep not his focus on what this racehorse is doing or what, what this horse is doing, but on the goal of the prize. This is how we run the race. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Now last little bit of recap. I'm going to get to something new. Okay, I've studied this week to show myself approved. She is a teacher. 
She knows the students in the room. We, we dealt with this last Sunday. Now, if God is the author and the finisher and the teacher, God is the one developing the lesson plans. He develops the lesson plans for you, and he de- de- develops the lesson plans for me. He is the one giving the lesson plans because he is the one that knows the ultimate destination of every person in this room. Now, so how... Here's the thing that shakes me sometimes. After seeing God do so much, I should be further along with my trust and where I'm at. goes back to this. I'll tell you a testimony that happened to us this week. We went down to, to Florida. Some people say I call it Florida. That's where I'm from. It's called Florida. If you're there, you would say Florida. I say Florida. So Grant was playing baseball down there, and he was with the team, and like anything, man, you know, your kids get older. How many knows you got to trust them more as they get older? Terry and I was at the ball game. He said, you'll be glad when Grant starts being able to drive. You don't have to stand here and wait on him. I said, no, I don't want him driving yet. <laughs> At least when he's in the passenger seat, I know exactly where he is and how fast he's going because I'm the one driving the vehicle. And so we were headed down. Grant was having to stay with the team. And Catherine was nervous. My son's 15 years old, playing on a varsity team. There's a lot of difference between a ninth grader and a 12th grader. Hello. And they ain't all Jesus freaks on the team. <laughs> I mean, they didn't. I mean, they didn't go down there to fast and pray. She was worried. She was worried. I had Catherine, and and we didn't have no children, so obviously I didn't want to worry. Hello, Sila. <laughs> so I was I was in earnest prayer and supplication. Father, break this worry, break this fear. I don't need a worried and fearful. Lord, I don't need a word, you know. So we get checked in the room. I'm telling you how God works out every little detail. What you got to understand is God is a loving Father, and as much passion you think you have for Him, if you could amp that up by one million times, million, that's how much passion He has for you. And He's always working. Come on, church. I'm just trying to help us this morning. I got a good, positive, you're going to leave this place on fire, okay? God is always working. And he cares about every detail that you care about. What keeps you up is what is what's on his heart. And so you got to think, we're, this, this hotel, I don't know, got 600 rooms or more. I don't know, there's a pile of rooms in this place. And so we get checked in and finally, you know, Grant gets there. And I just bump him up. I say, hey, what room are you in? And he gives me his room number. Where you think God put it? Right at mama's headboard. Right at the next room over. Hello. A mama's worried about a child. And out of every room they could have put me in. And every room they put him in, he's always working. Come on, somebody. He puts him right next door. Come on now. Hello. If God is concerned, if, if God knew that was a concern, let me just say it like this how the Bible says. He said that He knows the very hair that is upon your head. He don't just know that there's only 392 hairs on my head. He knows when 387 falls out. <laughs> 
He's always working. David has, if he's going to lead God's people, if he's going to represent God's people, God cannot have his man leading his people that don't trust him. So he's got to take him through some scenarios. He's got to take him through some lesson plans that will develop trust. Let me just say this. We ask God for this all the time. God, we want to see miracles. God, we want to see miracles. God, release signs, wonders, and miracles. How that translates from your prayer life is, well, I'm down here, God, I want to see miracles. God, that is transcending in His ears, put Him in impossible situations. When we get in the impossible situations, we panic and we turn to fear. But God said, I thought you wanted to see a miracle. You can never see a miracle. Come on, somebody. You're never going to see the Red Sea part unless Pharaoh, horse, and his rider is after you, chasing you into the Red Sea. But when Pharaoh, horse, and the rider is chasing you, come on, somebody, it is a sign, come on, somebody, that God has got something up his sleeve. It's a sign that there's a miracle on the way. When the doctor gives you the report that is opposite from the Word of God, it is a sign that God is at work. Come on, somebody. And God doesn't want us turning to fear. He wants us resting in faith, trusting that he's a good God. And he is more than able to keep what I've entrusted unto him. So David has to develop this trust. Now I want to get this verse of scripture. I will never preach all of this this morning, but I'm going to do my best. Look at this. We jumped right in the middle. This is the Valley of Elah. David overhears how Goliath has withstood the army of Israel and he walks up to Saul and this is his resume. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord will be with you. Every situation you face is a nugget in your history book to develop trust. What gave David faith to stare down a giant was the fact that God already took out a lion. That God already took out a bear. I don't know about you this morning, but I got a book because I've been with him for a little while of the impossible situations I've seen come through for us. When, when, we got, when we first got married and we couldn't get pregnant, but we got three boys now. She's fertile mortal now. We broke through. Hello. Come on now. When we moved and I didn't understand how that I was going to sell my house and get rid of my house on a family farm, how is that always going to be hanging over my head? And then a year later, my brother-in-law sells his house and says, well, I want your house. Will you sell me yours? God works all things out. Come on, church. And if he did it one time, he'll do it again. Just because he did it one time doesn't mean he's not going to leave us hanging. What we have to do is break this image that, you know, sometimes how we teach our kids to swim. I can tell you how I learned how to swim. My dad and my uncle threw me in the river and said he'll figure it out. How many was taught how to swim like that? Lord, we got some evil parents. 
Let's have a word of prayer right now of, of forgiveness in our heart towards our parents. Let me tell you something. God never teaches you to swim that way. God calls you to the deep end where you can't feel. Hello? He calls you to the deep end, but he never gets out of the deep water. He's always there. Some of us have a picture that God throws us in things over our head and then he walks off and leaves us and said they'll figure it out. He never leaves us. But he did give us the comforter because he was going to be writing lesson plans that would be very uncomfortable at times. He never promised us comfort. He's not, he's not, he, what is on his heart is not you being comfortable. What is on his heart is that you grow up into all things, into the image and likeness of Jesus. And he knew to get you to grow up. Growth does not come without pain. Come on, somebody. In every gym, there's a sign, no pain, no gain. You can't grow your muscles without causing a little pain. But we know that the pain will produce growth if we stay with it. Now, he develops this. I done seen God take out a lion and a bear. If God took out the lion and the bear, then this Philistine is no different from the lion and the bear. If God took out a lion and a bear, surely he can defeat this Philistine. So when he faces Goliath, he says, you come at me with swords and spears, but I come unto you in the name of the Lord, the same God that delivered the hand of the lion and the same God that delivered the paw of the bear is the same God that's going to defeat you today. Some of you need to look at what's facing you and say, the same God that took care of this years ago will be the same God that takes care of it today. The same God that paid my rent last month will be the same God that heals me today. The same God that healed me two years ago is the same God that will provide my finances when I need them. My God, that's good preaching. Now let's look at this. I will take you on this little journey right here. I'm asking, Lord, help me get it, Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. He left them getting into the boat again and departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. They did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. And he charged them saying, take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. Look at this, verse 16. And they reason among themselves, it is because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the five for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? understand. Let me break this down. What Jesus is saying, Clay, is when we experience a miracle, why do you first thought go to what you don't have? Why does the first thought in every storm, I'm going down? Come on, y'all. Am I the only one in this room? 
Why does the first thought that enters your mind, we're not going to make it? I got news for you this morning. We're going to make it. Hello? Larry, we're going to make it. We ain't just going to make it by no crumbs either, mate. Come on, somebody. We're going to make it eating high on the hog. I can't get no help up in here. I'm going to tell my own self. I'm going to tell my own self, Pastor John, I got news for you. You're going to make it. And you ain't going to come barely crossing the finish line. We're going to finish this thing strong, Chrissy, because God is, God is a man that cannot lie. He is a good father. Come on, somebody. He that hath begun a good work in me shall complete it unto the day. I'm just in a little pressure right now. Why do you reason what you don't have? If you got God, you got everything you need. I came to tell somebody, if you got God, you got everything you need. You got the giver, you got the blesser, you got the healer, you got the provider, you got everything you need. God. My God, when he told Moses, Moses, how am I going to deliver this people? How am I going to help them? God said, you tell them I am with you. He didn't say I was, I would be, I could be, I might someday will be. He said, you tell them I am with you. I came to tell you that I am is with you just as he was with Moses. I am what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. I am. Why does the first thought enter my big bald head I have no bread we're going down we're going down look at the people where they at this morning they at the lake they at the beach they at Walmart they at Dillard's but they not here but how many knows that doesn't change the fact of what God says anyhow a man didn't meet me that toted a jar of dirt for 10 years in his car and met me at the smoking pig, come on somebody, of the anniversary date that when we, when we honored Pastor Dale in this room and give me that jar of dirt just to put in my office. Come on somebody. It was God saying, son, the land belongs to you. It's a matter of time. He gave me the deed. Hello. God doesn't toy. Oh, my God, I'm trying, I feel the Lord up in this house right here. I done preached myself happy. What God is asking me, son, calm down. Why are you reason you have no bread? Why do you turn around and look at you and that determines whether what I'm doing? Come on, somebody. Hello. That don't determine the size of the offering. I learned that early in my ministry. We went to this large church. We didn't get enough money to pay for the gas to get back home. And then I was scheduled. Remember that was scheduled in Waycross, Georgia. Preached this little bitty country church for three nights. That took care of my bills for two months. God told me right then, son, it ain't never about the size of the crowd. Come on, somebody. It's all about following the cloud. The cloud has got everything you need inside of it. It does not determine the size. Come on, somebody. Hello. And he is the main important guest in this room. If the Holy Ghost is in here, that's the only person we need. We can make it if you don't show up. But we doomed if he ain't here. All right. Why does the first thought? Church, we got to deal with this. Why is the first thought that enters into my mind what I don't have instead of what I do have? You remember when the prophet showed up at the widow's house? He said, what do you have in the house? God never leaves you with nothing inside your house. He never leaves you empty. You always got something. David had a slingshot on his side. You've got to take what God has given you, and that's the very thing that God will use to deliver you. You with me now? 
Why do you reason you have no bread? Get the no bread thoughts out of your mind. All right, look at this. Titus. These some good scriptures right here this morning. I'm telling you right now. I ain't preaching but to one person. John Bagley. He's going to buy this CD. Look at this. Titus chapter 1. Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and, to, and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with the godliness in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie. Come on, somebody. I just read it out of the Bible. Hello. This is what Paul telling his spiritual son, his spiritual son, Titus. Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords, which accords with, with godliness in hope of eternal life, with, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. This is what he's telling him. Look at this. First of all, what we've got to understand about God is God cannot lie. Didn't say he would not. He's incapable of lying. See, we, we mess up, Dave. This is where I think God is like me because I can lie. Everybody look, my God, he said he can lie. I learned this a long time ago from Bishop Joseph Garland. A lie is a sin, but it is a present help in the time of trouble. Hello. God, but get off. I said God cannot lie. So if he said it, it's a done deal. You can cash the check. Paul is telling Timothy, I am a bondservant apostle. I'm an apostle called by God. And my, and my resume is, is built on the promises of God. And the reason why I can rest in the promises of God is because my father cannot lie. He is not like you and I, friend. The reason why we think that God's frustrated with us because we're frustrated with us. He's never frustrated with you. When you're frustrated with you looking in the mirror at you because you can't stand what you look, he is never frustrated with you. He is not you. His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. He is so much higher than that. And he cannot lie. I dare you to look at your neighbor and say, there ain't no way God can lie. He's incapable of it. How do you develop a deep sense of trust? Number one, you got to know within yourself God cannot lie. God does not toy things in front of us. He, he, don't, he, doesn't, he doesn't give you a business, Steve, and leave you out into a business and then snatch it out for money and say, well, I just want to see if he do it. Look at it. God don't drop a promise down in your heart and say, and look at the Holy Ghost and Jesus in heaven and say, you know what? I, look, they're going to they gonna go for about three or four years walking in that false promise. Look at them. He never does that. He cannot lie. God doesn't trick or hang false promises over our head. Everything he says is absolute truth. It may take time to develop. It may take time to come to pass. But, it, but delay is not denial. Hello. It's a matter of time before it comes into my lane. 
I may have the promise that my brothers are going to bow down and serve to me and I may find myself in a pit left for dead. Come on, somebody. I may find myself naked being sold on an auction block, but it does not change the promise of God over my life. I may go into Potiphar's house and he may lie on me and say that I tried to rape her, but it does not change the promise of God on my life. Come on, somebody. If you will hang on, if you will faint not, we will reap in due season. Just as Joseph did, he stood when Pharaoh and his brothers came and bowed down just like God said. It just takes a few years. Come on, somebody. The Bible says it like this. To the word of the Lord came to pass. God's word tested Joseph. And so will the word inside of you test you friend when you get the promise when you get the when you get the prophetic word over your life that word will test you you will want to throw that word in the garbage can you'll get in seasons of your life say I don't even know if I believe that anymore until the word comes to pass it will test you but because you have no faith for it doesn't mean God didn't say it and it doesn't mean that it is still real when he promised to Abraham, he said, I looked around, and when I couldn't find no one greater than myself, I swore by my own name that I'd bring it to pass. Come on, somebody. If we think because we lose faith that God loses faith. God never loses faith. God never loses hope. That's why the Bible says holy is he. Holy means other. When I'm depressed, he's never depressed. He's other. When I'm broke, he's never broke. Other. When I'm sick, he's never sick. Other. God, you are other than me. Hello. When I couldn't find nobody greater, I swore by my own name. Because we lose faith, we think he does. Because we tired with us. We think he's tired with us. Hello. All right. Look at this. Here's another key to help you develop trust right here. Go to Luke chapter 11. Y'all all right? All right. Can't nobody say I didn't feed you. If you ain't getting fed this morning, that's because you got locked, y'all. Hello? Shame, is that right? If you can't eat this, I don't know what you can eat. I'm not just preaching this morning. I'm telling you how I had to live. I have to, I have to quote this over my own self. I have to quote this over my own self. I believe God for some big things. I mean, I'm believing for massive city transformation. I'm not, I'm not back here just believing we're going to build a church. That's an easy thing to do. I'm believing for city transformation. Let me tell you this. This story right here happened. I'm only going to say this because I'm just going to only say the color of the skin is because of what the, what the news tries to repent, uh, put out. That we all against each other. White against black and black against white. There probably is some cases like that. But we're not against each other in this room, are we? Hello. Grant goes to Walmart. <clears throat> He's buying some turkey decoy. Kill a turkey. Was it a little harder than what he thought? He wound up being a turkey. <laughs> turkey smart. He got eyes 
he's like the seeing creatures, eyes all around. Gets in line. It's a white lady. Two little kids. She can't pay for her groceries. None of the cards won't go through. She's right here in Adel. None of the cards won't go through. There's a younger, probably in his early 20s, young black boy there. Lady says, I'm going to have to put the groceries back. He said, no, ma'am. He says, I'll pay for your groceries. Pulls his wallet out, pulls a $100 bill and a $20 bill, pays for the lady's groceries. Hello. Don't tell me some things ain't moving. See, let me tell you something. You got to be excited about the little things. If we can't celebrate the little things, come on, somebody. Now, first of all, I was sitting there thinking, why didn't my son move on that? Number one, he had my money. You know what I'm saying? But he wasn't about to give his turkey decoy up so a lady could have groceries. (laughs) Hello. You know what he could have said? He could have looked at her and said, you know what? You're the reason why my people are struggling so bad. You white heifer, get out of the line. Come on. I said right there is where we need a camera, right there. We need, a, we need a Fox News, CNN, and NBC right there beaming right on that, saying this is how real America's acting. Come on, somebody. Oh, he didn't see a white woman. He just saw a woman with two kids. And he saw two kids with two little toys that was crying out their eyes. It wasn't going to be able to get it. Come on, somebody. He said, you know what? I got you. My good God Almighty. I'm telling you, I prayed after he told me that. I said, God, I pray you give that $120 back to him 100-fold. Teach him that, God, you'll bless a giver. Come on, somebody. Teach him. you. That's the gospel right there. That's more the gospel being accomplished than holding a microphone, preaching in front of some church. That's the real gospel outside the walls of the church. Hello. When I hear a story like that, that makes me just want to catch another gear. Say, God, I might not be seeing hundreds saved down at Cornerstone, but you know what? You're changing the minds of the people. You're doing something in my city. Hello. Hot. Oh, we got to get going here. I got like 18 points. I'm only on the second one. Look at this. Luke chapter 11. We didn't even read this, did we? Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Look at this. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil, look at this, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And let me just say this. As a father, guys, you know the dad's in this room. Father's in this room. You know I'm telling the truth. Shane, you hold that little one that you just had in your arms. You have no idea looking into those eyes the passions, the dreams that are inside his heart. But there's one thing that you know in your heart. You will do whatever it takes to accomplish those dreams and you don't even know what they are. What God is saying, how your heart burns for that, you you being, you being an imperfect. 
He said, you being imperfect burn with that kind of passion. How much more me being perfect? No blemish, no shatter. How much more will I do for you? This is how we develop trust. Number one, knowing he cannot lie. Number two, knowing he's a good father. That tragedy that happened in your life, he ain't got nothing to do with it. But he is there to pick up the pieces. Come on, somebody. He is there to pick up the pieces. He is there to give grace that goes beyond the understanding when you have to bury a child or bury a spouse. He is, he got nothing to do with that. But he is there to see you through the storm. He is there to He is there to let you cry on his shoulder. He's a good father. What I've watched people, including my own life, because of the inconsistencies in my own father, we can't help because that's the only image we see. And and, and my children would stand up here and say, they have seen me lose it. I'm not talking about beating them down, cussing them out. But I have gotten it by the grace of God a longer fuse than what I have. You know what I'm saying? But they have seen me rage up and look at them. And then I have to go back and I say, that's not right. Because our Heavenly Father never rages up. And He never gets angry. Can't believe that. We can't even believe that simple, that little fact right there in this room. I said He never rages up and He never gets angry. In your worst sin, He never looks at you in disgust and says, I can't believe that joker did that again. I was with someone yesterday that got a lot of Bible knowledge just has stumbled a few times in their life and I was trying to find a way to articulate it and I just was sitting there thinking and I remember listening to Chipper Jones one time and he, this is what he said Cleve said he what separates a great baseball player from a good baseball player as he said a great baseball player can leave the last mistake where it happened and move to the next play let me tell you this a great Christian knows how to leave the last mistake where they had it and get back up again and keep going. Come on, somebody. You can't let a moment. Oh, my God, I'm trying to. Y'all going to give me just a little bit. I'm telling you, I got some good stuff right here. Let me, let me, let me get right here to this because I want to leave you with this. And I got 15 minutes to get there. I'm going to fly it quick, okay? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 31. You got to know that God cannot lie. He's a good father. Listen to this. Number three, God's faithful. Did you hear what I just said? God's faithful in this room. All right, listen to this. This is how we develop trust. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Where's the book of Deuteronomy at? All right. Thirty-one. This is Moses talking to Joshua. Joshua's fixing to take over as the leader. Moses knows he can't be in the promised land. He's 120 years old. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all of Israel, and he said to them. I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispose them. Joshua himself crosses over before you just as the Lord has said. 
And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have given you. Look at verse 6. Be strong and good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you, and he will, he will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses said, called to Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all of Israel, be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Nor, and do not fear nor be dismayed. God, listen to me, does not sling us into the deep end and turn his back and say swim. God, right. help me right here, Holy Ghost, kind of condense this down. There's not a person in this room that will not have to deal with pressure. My pressure is different from your pressure. Pressure is what produces growth. Here's how you determine. Now listen to me. Pressure comes from two sources, God and the devil. Knowing how to recognize the pressure is how you learn how to steward your life real well is good how you know it's God's pressure God nudges invites the enemy pushes God never has his foot at your backside shoving you God woos nudges and pulls he stands into the deep end and says come on Roz you've been in the three foot long enough come on the enemy, he pushes at your back and says, won't you go ahead and swim? Because what he wants you in is over your head knowing you don't have the character to stay there. Because he wants you to crash and burn. Because if he can wreck you, he'll wreck, down, he'll wreck your whole circle. Hello. See, most preachers won't tell you what I want to tell you. Reason why we don't run 300 because I ain't at the place to handle it yet. Hello. Boy, don't that take the pressure off of you? Throws it back on me. Hello. Because I got to trust that, listen, God is leading and directing my life. If I was to sit down today and say, how did, John, how did you do all of this? I have no idea. I was only following him. Hello. That's my job. My job is to follow God. It is not to build a church or to build a ministry. Hello. I wish somebody would have told me that when I was 20. I thought my job was to preach the best I could preach. Build the biggest I could build. My job is to simply follow God. My job is to feed you what I'm eating in the secret place. If we can live in that place, God will remove all the pressure off of us and it'll be a whole lot lighter in this room. It'll be lighter with you and it'll be lighter with me. Y'all sat there and said, I don't know what that big joker wants. I just know he's intense. I'm intense anytime you don't see me. Catherine, wake up at night. No, I'm still intense, ain't I? Ready to get something. That's just the way God formed me. I'm a battle axe. But here's the deal. I got to learn how to swing it at the right people. 
See, God told him to get a sword, but Peter didn't have enough sense to carry the sword. The same sword that'll take out the devil will wound 25 people around you if you're not careful. And we got to be real when people say, my God, Matt, put the sword up. You don't kill four people that's trying to go to war. What I have to trust is God is the builder of the house. He said, Joshua, be of good courage. Do not fear, for God is with you. We should not have to remind each other that God is with us. But let me tell you, in this room this morning, we still have to remind us that God is with us. Steve said, hey, you sit down and say, God's still with us. He said, man, if we ain't made it past this, let me tell you this. Years later, we still ain't made it past that. God is with us. Look at your neighbor and say, God is with you. I know you don't believe it, but God is with you. We got to break this thought process off that God has left us and he's no longer here. He's just dropped you off in the wilderness to grow you a little bit. Now here's the deal. Asher still gets up in my lap. He's in his mama's lap now. But Grant is 175 pounds. I can't tote him on the hip. I might want to get real plain right there, but I'm not. If I got to tote him around on the hip, there's something wrong. I mean this by no means because the word retarded just means stop growing. He's retarded. Which a lot of the church is retarded because they have stopped growing. Hello. And the preachers wore out because he got grown adults. Oh man, get off. The bigger you get, come on somebody. Let me ask you this. I go what Pastor Dale taught us this. He don't feel me nearly as much. But who knows more about me, him or Asher? He does. But yet he feels me less. We have got to grow to a place that we can trust that he's with us regardless if we feel him or not. Regardless if your hair standing up in worship, God is here. How do you know that, preacher? The, the Bible says we're two or three. They well, they well over 100. We ain't joking it for the podcast, the live stream. You can count them if you want to. And around 100 folk up in here. No, we ain't got 500. No, we ain't got 800 on Sunday. This is what it is. Are you with me now? And if we are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. I don't have to feel him. I ain't got to have no hair standing up. He's in this place. And if he's in this place, then anything I need is possible in this room. Hello. Gosh, I'm preaching this morning, this game. God is with us. David developed the awareness that God was with him in any circumstances. Why he writes in Psalms 139, you know my rising up to my going down. I was formed in my you, you didn't form in my mother's womb. If I send to the highest of heights, there you are. If I make my bed in hell, there you are. For you are always with me, he says in Psalms 139. God is always with us. Now let me finish this up right here. I'm giving you a lot. This is going to help you right here. This helped me. I ain't got but 17 more things to go. I'm finished with the first one, okay? Listen to this. God's not interested in your comfort. He's intended. In, he's interested in your growth. The reason He gave us the comforter is He would be leading us into uncomfortable situations. 
Now I want to deal with this one thing right here. Go to Matthew chapter 13. This is where was that last week? I know I'm preaching a lot, but I'm telling you. Sometimes Catherine goes home, she said, I wish you wouldn't have stopped this life. I'm going to give you this right here. Matthew chapter 13, verse 20. This is the parable of the sower. We talked about, you know, there's three different types of soil. I want to tell you this, we've been all three types of those soil. We ain't always the good ground we want to claim to be. Hello, am I the only one up in here that can get real this morning? Y'all got halos and angel wings. We ain't always good ground. Because, you know, we fix to start putting the camera back up here and we'll be able to reveal all three grounds in one Sunday. We got some sleepy grounds. Oh, look at this. Look at this, verse 20. 13, verse 20. It says, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because the word, immediately he stumbles. Let me say this. Pressure will make anybody stumble. I don't care how strong you are. Pressure will make anyone stumble. And everyone in this room faces pressure. I just told you that. The reason why men get out of the ministry is not because they hate preaching. It's because of the pressure of it. The pressure of run the numbers, raise the finances. You upset Uncle Joe because you didn't shake his hand. You wasn't at the wedding, the funeral, the hospital. All of those are legitimate concerns. I'd not belittling any of that. So the pressure comes. If all we if if all we have is the stony place, that means the roots have not developed, fully developed. Pressure will cause you always to stumble at the stony place. So if you know that everyone in this room has stumbled, it will help us a whole lot. Hello. To me, it's not if you stumble, it's how you how you are in the stumble. Let me say this. Faith is found in rest. Look at your neighbor and say, faith is found in rest. The enemy loves to push us to stop, to to step into striving by trying to make things happen in our timing, in our wisdom, in our effort. I would tell you that is one of my problems a lot of times. Because it don't come quick enough, I'm going to help God make it happen. Is anybody else in this room? Because it don't build at my pace of speed, I'm going to help him out. When I help him out, I get into something called the realm of the flesh. When we operate in the realm of the flesh, here's the the key. 
flesh will always begot flesh, which causes more pressure. Indirectly, we just ready to go get some Jack Daniels or like, oh look, I can't believe you said that. I don't do that. I about needed it sometimes in my life. But as a good holiness preacher, I just use NyQuil. It's legal. NyQuil's legal over the... About 20 preachers just got set free right there. It's okay right after me to use it. Kathy, I remember one time we was laughing about this this week when my father was in the hospital in Savannah. <clears throat> I don't take medicine hardly ever. And I had got a headache. I probably didn't have five my whole life. And my mom, we had to drive back home. It was about, a little, about an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes drive back home. And my mom had gave me, I thought she gave me two ibuprofen or something. So I was driving. And we started coming through Hinesville. And I told Catherine, I said, my God, I said, there's some demonic activity. I mean, it's unreal tonight. I said, it's unbelievable demonic activity. I said, I'm so heavy, I can't hardly function. And so she said, I really don't feel it. I said, you better cut the worship up. You know what I'm telling you? Hey, demons out here tonight. We're going to try to make it to the house. I mean, they, I mean, somebody, I mean, the chicken feet the whole nine yards. So we had to go by the church, and our church was on 341 outside of Jessup. At the time we made it to Jessup, I mean, I'm about collapsed. I mean, I'm ready to go in there on the altar. So she goes inside, so I sat in the vehicle. I was sitting in the vehicle. I mean, I fell asleep in the car. I couldn't hold my head up no more. I was out. And so I asked my mom, I said, well, what in the world did you get? She said, I gave you, I gave you two Excedrin PMs to knock out the headache. I said, my God, I had to drive home. Listen to this. I'm just going to give you this scripture right here, and I'm done. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41, this is where Jesus is sleeping in the boat in the storm. Let me tell you something. you got to have faith to rest. If you can sleep in the storm and stay in rest and faith, then you have authority to deal with whatever's causing the source of the pressure. You cannot respond to the source of pressure until you're at a place of rest. If you all up in a tizzy, you're going to be in the flesh, which will produce what? More flesh. Then it will get you to remedy it in the flesh. Hello? But if you can stay at faith and rest, then you can identify with the source of the pressure by the Spirit of God. When you identify the source, Jesus identified the source as the wind, right? He stood up and said, peace be still to the wind. Psalms 127.1 says, unless God build the house, they labor in vain. Listen to this. It doesn't mean that there's no labor for the believer. It just means we're not the lead person on the job site. That's good, Larry. You are not the lead person constructing you. God is. The reason why you jacked up, because you've been the architect on the job. Sit down. <laughs> 
I told him, stand down. I said, don't you open this service up like you prayed at the ramp. Get up there and bless the people. Open this service out and get the plane flying. We in a hole, buddy. I put us in the hole and I'm going to dig us out by God's grace and mercy. I take responsibility for my stuff. Hello. Now, next week, I'm probably going to be running that marathon again. And Catherine's going to be like, you believe what you preach? Yes, I believe what I preach. But there's a whole lot of other scriptures in here, too. We press hard for the mark. I call them God in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. This is what God's emphasizing right now. Listen to this. Doesn't mean that we don't labor. Just means we're not the lead position on the building process. Listen to this. God is the architect, the financial backing, the owner, the foreman, the building crew, and pretty much everything. Our part is to cooperate with him as he builds. Your job is to stay at a seated position and get up and hand him the board when he calls for it. If he ain't calling for it, Martha, sit out and worship at his feet. Hello. Lord, have mercy. I want to get, all I'm asking is to get it to place. When I pull up the hardest, get the three-piece chicken fingers. Can you pull to the white line? And I can be in my spirit. Praise God. Father, I'm glad that you offered me five minutes right here that I can read the Word of God on my phone. Don't make me get it. Here's how it's been. Because you know I got these, these, they only eat chicken fingers. I only eat chicken fingers. It's the only meal on the face of the earth. Chicken fingers. Could you please pull to the white line? My gosh, why did y'all order chicken fingers? Can't y'all just get a hamburger or something they got cooked? We late. Hello. That ain't never happened in your vehicle. I'm just trying to be real this morning. Help you out with a little faith. I'm trying to confess my sins. So give you faith right here. Listen to this. God is the one building the house. If you open the door, you will have to keep the door open. I said, if you open the door, you will have to keep it open. But if God opens the door, nobody can shut it on you, friend. That is so good. If God led me there, nobody can take me out. Catherine, I'm preaching all this for you. Listen to this. I'm finished this right here. Let me just read you this. I'm done right here. Tell your neighbor, say he's done. He's preached enough. I want to read you this. This is a powerful verse of scripture right here. All right. Uh, right here, Galatians chapter 3. Paul addresses this subject at the church of Galatia because they start out in the spirit, trusting God. But then they start out, they bring in works and they get all up in the flesh trying to work it on out from there. I'm just simply preaching a message this morning. You got to trust God with your life. And he, he wrote it all out. He saw every stump. He saw every curve in the road. He saw every time you wouldn't listen, and he said, do it. And you just said, I ain't doing that. I'm going my own way. 
He factored all that in. And he still wrote out the great things in your book, in your life. You have to trust that he is that author. And when we trust him, we can get at a place of rest. I never asked to come to Cornerstone. God asked me would I go on a journey. What a journey it's been. If he would have showed, if he would have showed me everything at one time, I would have never obeyed him, and neither would you with the things that he's asked you to do. He never shows you, he never shows you Goliath. He just says, Will you go? Amanda, will you go? But I can tell you this on my journey, the rewards have outweighed anything I've ever gave up. every Goliath is a major trophy room so rest in this right here Father I pray let this word as I read it over this congregation settle some things in our hearts today that you're a good father and we're going to trust you we're going to trust what you started Pastor Dale just happened to be the vessel that walked to this ground on March 10th, 1991. You you opened the doors to this place. That does not take away the magnificent work that he did for 19 years. But Father, this is your house. This is not John's church. This is your house. This is your work. I just get to be labor and be a steward in your field. You crazy Galatians. I'm reading out of the message. You crazy cornerstone people. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken, have you taken, have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it is obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? You remember when you first got saved, you was just wild that He forgave you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? Is it not yet a total loss? But it certainly will be if you keep this up. I love this part. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? We're not smart enough nor clever enough to finish it. But He is. Tara, every day, just hang loose. He's got the story already penned. Everything you desire, He will not leave nothing nothing
if you believe in restoration, see, if you think that God restores and he puts it back as good as it was, that is not the restoration of God. God always restores exceedingly, abundantly above, better than it ever was. Hello. Stand up. I want to bless you this morning. I hope you feel good in your soul. You can't buy no preaching better than that. You feel good in your soul? I said, how many feel good in your soul? All right. How many feel that there's life entered into you? All right, you crazy cornerstone people. Quit trying to figure it out. You wasn't smart enough to begin it. You're not going to be smart enough to finish it. God's going to finish what he started. Shaney's going to finish what he started. If you in over your head and you and, you, and this is your daily thing, I don't got a clue what I'm doing, you're probably right in the center of God's will. Father, we thank you for great life and we thank you for the Spirit of God that infuses us with hope, with life. I thank you that thoughts that we had about you that are just like weeds and concrete that are messing us up, I thank you that you are spraying Roundup on them right now and destroying those thoughts right now. We will not have thoughts of why we don't have any bread because we know we got a lot of bread. We got the bread of life dwelling on the inside of us. I thank you for the great expected end that you have prophesied and given to all of us in this room. And Lord, I just thank you that there's great destiny over the lives of everybody in this room. And Father, we bless them today. We bless them today. I thank you for a great week. I thank you for just a great, great week. I thank you for a great day on Saturday. I thank you that our kids are going to have a blast. I thank you that kids all over this community are going to pick up Easter eggs and just see the real meaning of the gospel, which is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Lord, we bless them tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, church. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hug somebody. Love on them. We'll see you here Wednesday night. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.